You're listening to the Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Parenting Junkie, the place to go to love parenting and for parenting from love. I'm Avital. I am a mindful parenting coach and the mama of five. I'm here with my newborn. And today we are answering a question from our present play voicemail. Let's hear it. Hi, my name's Kristen and I'm calling from New Hampshire. I just actually went on to Facebook because whenever I have a question, I always look to the present play community first and I saw that I could call and ask my question. My four-year-old is fiercely independent. We're running into the problem of her not wanting to put her winter clothes on at all. And this results in getting out of the house late in the morning. Also, her teacher wrote to me today and said, same thing's happening at school when it's time to go outside to recess. She acts helpless, even though she's completely capable of doing it, but it's just because she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to put on her boots. She doesn't want to put on her jacket. And so she'll just whine the entire time when the rest of her class is outside at recess. And this is just one of the issues. Her teacher seems told me that she just seems overly emotional lately, has been doing this whining act a lot more lately and thinks that she needs more love perhaps and we do special time every night I don't think it's a lack of her feeling love or a cry for attention she she's actually quite good about telling me when she needs more love we don't believe in punishment and I don't want to give a reward for getting ready quickly I like like natural consequences Unfortunately, with getting ready in the morning, I can't think of a natural consequence because it really just affects me more than her because then I'm late to work and it's just frustrating. So my question to sum it up is what would be an effective way to motivate my daughter to want to get ready faster at home and at school? Kristen, thank you so much for sending in this fantastic message. And to all my present players, just so much love. I love everything that's going on in our community. I feel so supported by you all during this postpartum phase. And I'm so inspired by everything that's going on there. All the vulnerable sharing and all the wins that we're celebrating. So just hi, shout out to you guys. This new voice message system is such an awesome way for me to connect with you guys and answer your questions personally. So that's really exciting. So Kristen's question is, how can I effectively motivate my daughter to get ready more quickly in the morning? And she really noted a few things. So first of all, it sounds like, uh, Kristen, you are such a conscious and aware and peaceful parent and doing your very best to avoid, uh, you know, too many power struggles and punishments and rewards. And you are certainly doting and loving and giving your child special time and all of these great things and it sounds like there is no reason to believe that her love cup is depleted. Now I do want to just a little bit (laughs) say that I find that often uh, all well-meaning parent coaches, psychologists, teachers, thinkers, people who are in the child care uh, space and the parenting space often go to oh, they just need more love as 
almost any answer to any behavioral problem, like a child who's hitting and kicking, a child who's tantruming, who has nightmares, who's, uh, you know, uh, talking back or being rude or having potty accidents or whining and dragging their feet when it's time to get ready. The easy answer is, well, they probably just need more attention. And I find that that's Sorry, sorry to put it so bluntly. I find that that's a little bit maybe of a lazy answer or maybe it's like a catch-all. It's just like, oh, here's an umbrella answer that we can give to any kind of behavior. But the truth is that it leaves me as a parent feeling guilty because I can never give my children enough attention and enough love that they don't want more. Like they always want more. And even if I can't do the special time and I can't uh, constantly make them feel you know, full on attention from me, I still need to correct um, disruptive behaviors. I still need to be able to say, actually, I can't have you whining every morning when it's time to put on your shoes and I can't have you making me late to work. And the answer can't be that I need to invest more time and more energy in giving you more attention and love always. That can't always be the reason, right? Sometimes that's the reason. And we know when we're going through a particularly stressful time, when we've really spent a lot less time with our kids, uh, when we've added a new child to the family, when we've gone through a major transition, we know that that might then be the answer. But I don't think it should be the answer to every behavioral issue that we're facing. In fact, I think it really leaves us with our hands tied because we need to learn how to correct certain behaviors that are antisocial or destructive or unkind or unhelpful without it always being a question of, well, our child just needs more attention. In fact, that might really lead to our child losing out on learning to regulate themselves, on learning to hold themselves to high expectations and high standards, and the blame and the onus always coming back on the parent as them being, you know, deficient in some way as not giving enough love. So Kristen, I just really want to encourage your initial intuition here, which was that she does receive enough love. She does get special time. She does have attention. There hasn't been any major crisis or major change in the family that warrants, uh, you know, extra leniency around difficult behaviors and I think it's it's important that we all maintain our authoritative side not our authoritarian punitive side but our authoritative side I talk a lot about leadership and about boundaries and about setting limits Um, and I talk about that because I think it gets a little bit lost in the peaceful conscious parenting world and I think it's incredibly important So Kristen, I'm going to break this down into specific points that I think might be helpful in getting a child uh, to get out of the house on time. And I first want to point to your, again, your intuition, which is that you prefer natural consequences. I think natural consequences are fantastic when they can play themselves out. Like you're saying here, the natural consequence is A, you get really cranky and frustrated and B, you are late for work. And so your child might not enjoy the natural consequence of you getting cranky and frustrated, but she doesn't really see the true natural consequence, which is that you're late for work. And therefore, we might need to amplify or accentuate the natural consequences or actually veer into the lane of logical consequences. So first of all, I want you to think about what you do in the morning prior to leaving. 
because maybe there's something that takes time and that is fun and that is enjoyable, like sitting around the table to have breakfast, for example, um, that you won't have time for if she's spending so much time getting into the car. And maybe she needs to learn, look, we're gonna have to pack up our breakfast to, in a to-go cup, or we're going to have to have breakfast when we get to school because we don't have time because you're spending all of this time on the getting ready aspect. If we can do that quickly, we'll have more time even to read a book before we go or to sit down together or to make hot chocolate, right? So that could be a form of a natural consequence. It actually comes before, which makes it a little bit harder to do, but it's a way of showing her that this time is a finite resource and if you spend it over here, we can't spend it over there. Alternatively, you could actually use the fact that you're frustrated and cranky as a natural consequence. It's real. I want my kids to know that there is an effect to their behaviors and whilst I won't make them responsible for my feelings, I might be out of patience if they spend all of my patience on a whining, uh, you know, slow, dragging your feet, getting ready morning. So for example, do you like to listen to music or a podcast in the car? Do you want us to have a, a little bit of time for me to walk you into school? I won't have the patience for that if you spend it all when I'm trying to get you ready. That will really exhaust me and frustrate me and I'll just need to like go quickly to work and have silence in the car and calm myself because it's been so frustrating. So those are the types of things that with a four-year-old you really can communicate. You can say, look, if we can do this quickly and easily and everybody feels good, we can get into the car and listen to a podcast together. But if this is exhausting and draining, I'm not going to have energy and I'm going to need to clear my head on the drive, right? Just by way of example. Another thing that you can consider, and I guess this could be point number two, is playful parenting. Now, I'll be the first to admit that I don't always have the mojo or the energy to make things into a game. However, it is incredibly effective, especially with the younger crew, like a four-year-old. Playful parenting has been really brought to the world by Dr. Lawrence Cohen, and he has an incredible book called Playful Parenting, and it really explains how we can use this in order to set limits, right? Making something into a game, like, I bet you you can't get your shoes on before I can, or let's time ourselves and see how quickly we can get ready. Or uh, you could play a contrarian game where you're like, no, don't get ready. I don't want you to get ready. We don't need to go to school. We're gonna go back to bed, right? No, no, don't put on your shoes. Oh my goodness, don't put on your shoes. That's crazy, right? As she runs to put them on and be contrarian and do it anyway, right? Or you could play some games where you do role reversals. That's another favorite, right? Where you drag your feet and you say, I'm not putting on my shoes. No, I can't put on my shoes. I can't put on my coat. I don't want to go, right? And you make a whole big fuss and she suddenly sees things from your perspective and she's the mummy and she has to tell you, no, come on, we need to go to school. Let me help you with your shoes. And you say, no, no, it's too heavy. I can't do it, right? And you play that game a few times and it's a way of processing what she's resisting. It's a way of her getting getting some empathy and playing out a different role, the parent's role. And it's a way to let off some steam and get the giggles going so that it's not such a stressful situation where you're yelling at her and you're angry and grumpy, but rather it becomes a game. So really that's a second point to consider is if you have the energy for it and you're able to pull it off, going into a playful space can be very effective at setting a boundary. It can be very effective at processing any lingering emotions around this. And it can also be effective at getting the result that you want, which is getting out of the house on time. The next thing I want you to consider is to set a clear boundary and then follow through on it really kindly and empathically, but very firmly. 
And some of us get confused by this because it sounds like, wait, is this punitive? Is this mean? Is this uh, me being too authoritarian? Um, But I want you to really hear what I mean here because I think this can be done in a very uh, inspiring, powerful leadership, you know, firm kind of way without it being punitive or unkind. And here's what I mean. It's basically stating once, telling her, that you're not gonna play this game anymore with the whining in the morning. Um, It's taking too long and it's making everybody cranky and late to work and you can't let that happen. And so from now on, you're gonna tell her once that it's time to get her shoes on and her coat on, and then you're gonna get your shoes and coat on and go out to the car and it's gonna be time to leave. And what you want to do there is really embody a sense of confidence and clarity. This is how it's going to go. What we're stepping into here is this kind of leadership energy where there is no room for whining or for negotiations. We don't do a back and forth. We don't say things again and again. We don't plead, we don't beg, and we even don't repeat ourselves once we've said it once. In fact, we say it clearly and then we really follow through. Now, of course, you can't drive off and leave her at home. You're not gonna be able to follow through to that extent, but you absolutely can get your shoes on, get your coat on, gather up the bags and say, I'll be waiting for you in the car, Uh, right? And, you know, provided that it's safe and that you can see her in that scenario, or I'll be waiting for you outside the door, uh, for example, Um, but really, what you want to do then is not give any attention to the whining, any attention to the like to the uh, negotiations or the nagging. And you need to kind of pop that balloon so that she's de-incentivized to use that tactic. It just doesn't work. It doesn't get a response out of you. It doesn't make you interested. It doesn't make you stop. It doesn't make you beg or nag. You don't engage with her there. So if she's using this as a way to get more attention or just really, I think, more as a way to get more power, it sounds to me like as a, 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 a kind of a classic power struggle where she can see how far can she push this, how much control can she have over this situation? I think you want to really show her that she she can't and it doesn't work and that you don't get activated by that. You simply move on. And what you're going to be doing is completely ignoring the whining and the nagging in that scenario, moving on, moving straight through it. Just And you can tell her explicitly with a four-year-old, you can say, sorry, I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to uh, talk to you while you're whining. I'm not going to be able to help you anymore. I've offered once to put your coat on the next time you'll do it by yourself. And I do need to leave now. So please get it on and I'll see you in the car. So you're going to be really, really confident and a little bit cold, just a little bit cold. You're not you're not giving her that energy and that attention, right? Because you have to remember with a power struggle, it takes two, right? You need to push back in order for that to be a power struggle. But if you disengage, then there's there's no tension left, right? It's There's nothing to push back against. And so at that point, uh, she will have to realize that this isn't worth the energy. Now, what I would recommend in order to sweeten the deal or soften the blow in this case is to absolutely give her a lot of attention and a lot of energy, a lot of your 
your your your kind of energy coming her way when she comes out of the whining phase right when she starts to just talk to you about the day or gets in the car and you're like oh what music do you want to listen to or you start talking to her that's a time to really fill her up and say yes i want to give you energy yes i want to make eye contact with you and i do want to engage with you but i can't do that when you're whining over shoes and coats right that that is a time when i'm going to disengage because you need to show her that that tactic is not worthwhile what happens with power struggles is we actually get into a reinforcing loop where a child whines about something and then we get drawn in, right? We get drawn down to their level and we start negotiating back with them as if we're also four years old, right? I don't want to put on my boots. You have to put on your boots. Please put on your boots now. I already said it three times. We're going to be late. Come on, this isn't fair, right? We get into kind of, we we, we lower ourselves into that, uh, that pit of whining. We need to stay on the outside where we're just not part of that game. We don't engage in it. We're not part of it. When they come out of it will be waiting for them with open arms on the other side. So the way that we de-incentivize that behavior and we take the punch out of it is that we don't engage, we don't give it, we don't reward it with our attention. And instead we really become kind of cold, matter of fact, simple, straightforward, following through on a boundary without the back and forth. And then Uh, piling on a lot more energy and warmth once they've come out of that phase. And with that point, I'll just make one more point, which is that you might want to consider the natural consequence of if you don't put your boots on or your coat on, you'll come out without your boots and coats. Now, I know there are a lot of gasps. and shock and horror at what I've just said. I know a lot of parents feel that their kids will get sick if they go outside without a coat. And certainly there are some climates where that would be truly dangerous. I I don't know if that's the case for you, Um, but I will say that I personally really trust my kids uh, to, uh, to feel their own body temperature and decide what they need to wear. Now, I'm not suggesting that she spend the entire winter without a coat or boots on, but there might be something to saying, and I don't know, you've got to try this on for size and see if this works in your unique situation, but there might be something to saying, uh, okay, if you don't get your boots or coats on and coat on on time, we're leaving anyway. And you'll leave in your, you know, in your socks and, and sweater. And when you're ready to put it on, we'll put it on in the car. Um, but it's time for us to go now. Or if you're walking, it's time for us to go and you just start walking. And then at some point she says, no, I'm cold. I want to put them on. And we say, okay, let's get them on now. Don't you think next time it would be more more comfortable and convenient to get it on in the house? Um, And so that's a form of natural consequence too, is simply saying, okay, you don't have to put your boot and coats on, but all the other kids are outside playing at recess. And when you're ready to put them on, you can join them, right? And, And kind of really not getting into the whole debate about it, not trying to convince her. I would almost say something like well it's your choice but recess is now and if you want to play uh, and not be freezing and not get wet this is your chance um so it's up to you the other kids are going you know we're starting uh, same in the morning it's up to you you don't have to put it on i'm leaving now i want to be warm and dry so i'm putting on my boots and coats if you'd like my help uh, here's your one chance to get it and then i'm going and i expect you to join me um so just kind of being really really clear that Uh, whilst I'm not going to force it onto you and I'm not going to get into a whole big power struggle, a whole big debate about it, I strongly recommend it. It's not something that we need to really debate and discuss. But if you don't want to, then you'll feel uh, the physical uh, natural consequences of being cold. And when you're ready, we'll put it on. 
So as I said, it might be dangerous when you are, I don't know, but I do this kind of thing with my kids all the time. And to be honest, sometimes they really don't need that coat. Uh, and I think that's probably a sign of their health and good circulation and that kind of thing. I don't know, I'm, I'm not a medical professional, so don't take my advice on this, but, um, but we feel very comfortable allowing our children to go outside wearing what they want to wear and, uh, and putting on their coat when they are ready to. Okay, Kristen, I hope that this has been really helpful for you. Um, just to summarize, I don't think this is a case of a kid who needs more love. She gets a lot of love. She has uh, a very present mom. She gets special time. I don't think that the answer to every behavioral problem should be more attention. In fact, I think it often needs to be more boundaries and less attention. As I've said here, I think this behavior, this whining and nagging needs less attention. I think you need to withdraw from that struggle. Either you make it a game, you state your natural consequences, or you just confidently set a limit and follow through and even allow her to experience the natural consequences of being cold or of not being able to do other things because she's taken all this time. You do afterwards want to unpack with her and point out, doesn't our morning run so much smoother? I really appreciate it when you can just get in the car without the fuss. It's so much more lovely for everybody and we have more time to do other things and more energy for other things and you just want to reiterate and show her her success that when she does it this way, everybody's happier and everything runs smoother. Things go her way better, right? She has more time at recess. Uh, she has a less cranky mama in the morning, etc. And those things are good things for her to learn. All right, Kristen. So uh, please let me know if this has been helpful for you. Please share this out with any parents who you think might be struggling with getting their kids out on time or getting their kids to wear their winter clothes. I would love to hear how this has landed for you and what your tips and tricks are. Keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste. Namaste.